Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. It is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety after the fact on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone's having a great Thursday. I am Mike Hack. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 280. Two days from right now, we'll be eating our breakfast Drinking our coffee, well, all of you will be anyways. I'll tell you what I'll be doing in a matter of seconds. But And then an hour from right now, two days from now, that's when the prelims start. 10 a.m. Eastern, main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. The card is fantastic. The main event rules. The co-main event rules. All the main card fights have meaning. Even the featured prelim fight has a ton of meaning, ton of significance. This card is fantastic. It is spectacular, and I am very excited for it. We have the, if you're listening live, if you're listening on the podcast now, this doesn't really matter to you, but for those here live, we have the UFC 280 press conference going down at 10 a.m. Eastern. It's probably going to be like 10, 15, because that's how the UFC rolls, but we're going to go until it starts. We'll go here until it starts. We'll take as many questions as possible, so feel free to hop on in. We'll get to those momentarily, but we'll see what comes out of that press conference. And then, of course, we got BTL coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, which is going to be a lot of fun. The return, the highly awaited return of Brian Campbell to the show. He's going to take on Alexander K. Lee, AK versus BC. Let's go. But before we get to the calls, yes, if you watched the MMA Hour yesterday, the announcement that I've been teasing for a few weeks, it is out. It's happening. Saturday, 1.45 Eastern is when we're going to kick it off. It's going to be myself and good old GC Connor Burks live in studio in New York for the first ever MMA fighting pay-per-view watch party. So this is going to be a ton of fun. And I'm very excited for this. So as you guys are eating breakfast on Saturday and getting ready for UFC 280, I'll be traveling. 
So this is not a thing where I'm going to be going out Friday and I get to sleep and all that fun stuff and then just casually get ready for UFC 280. No, I'm waking up at like 3.30 in the morning, Saturday morning, take a shower, shave the head, hop in my car, drive to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight, fly to Newark, get my stuff, hop in an Uber, right to the studio, and then we're going to get ready to do this damn thing. It's going to be ridiculously fun. We're going to have some some stuff going on in between the fights. We'll have special guests joining us, including in the main event. I'm not going to reveal it just yet. We'll reveal it Saturday morning. Uh, a very special guest will watch the main event with us, somebody who you know, a universally, at least from all I've seen, beloved fighter who just happens to be in the lightweight division who's coming off the biggest win of his career earlier this year. And he's looking for a massive fight. And he's going to be watching this main event along with the fight between Benil Dariush and Matush Gamrat, I'm sure, very, very closely. And this guy is just a ton of fun, and I'm excited to have him on. So we will have a very special guest fighter joining us. We'll have MMA fighting staff members. We'll have some other journalists joining us as well. And it's just going to be awesome. Me and GC watching the fights, you guys watching along with us. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited about this. And I don't know if this is going to be a one-off. I don't know if this is going to be one of many. I don't know if this is going to be the first of us doing this for every pay-per-view. If I had my druthers, this is the first of doing this every pay-per-view. And I hope that's the case, but this has got to go well. This has got to go well. So hop on in. Even if you just jump in for a few minutes in between the fights or something, that's cool with me. If you want to watch the main event with us, cool with me. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, support it. Let people know about it. It's going to be fun. A nice little little option for you. If you want to feel like you're watching the fight with your buddies, that's going to be the vibe, so to speak. If you don't want to spend $75 on this pay-per-view, you don't need to. I mean, you probably should anyways. If you're in this room, you're probably going to do it. But if not, we'll let you know what's happening. Live on Saturday throughout the entire main car. We'll go a little bit earlier to make sure we have things going. But that is happening. A lot of people thought that the announcement would fall flat, that we're just going to do a Twitter space. No, 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 no. We're doing this up. We're doing this right. I will not be in command center 4.0. There will not be a little webcam on me with my microphone. No, we're going to be in studio sitting in comfy chairs. We're going to do this right. We're going to do this the correct way. And hopefully this is something we do all the time for these pay-per-views. But this one's got to go well. And I hope you will join us 145 Eastern on Saturday for the inaugural UFC 280 watch party. And let me just throw another tease out at you. A little tease. The UFC's production team is fantastic. They are incredible. They put out these cold opens, get you all jacked up and fired up for the fights. Ron Perlman, the great Ron Perlman, you might know him as Clay Morrow from Sons of Anarchy, just a tremendous actor, wonderful voiceover. Guy crushes it every single time. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Hot take. The cold open for this watch party is going to blow away anything the UFC is going to do. 
It is the best. It is amazing. And wait till you guys see it. Wait till you guys see it. Wait till you guys hear it. It rules. So, all right. That's all I have to say about that, unless you guys have further questions about it. But let's go to the calls. Let's go to the peeps. Your show. Double A is going to kick us off. What's up, buddy? I'm great. I'm great, my man. Okay, quick, quick. Um, I guess, I guess, guess that's my last comment before I start. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, watching, um, making breakfast before before the fight, man, because the fight start at one a.m. here, homie. So I won't be making no breakfast. Well, maybe listen. Maybe a, a late night snack <laughs> of a breakfast variety. Maybe you'll have an omelet or something. Yes. Um, I've got. I've just got two quick ones for you. Um, one. Um, Sean O'Malley said that. Um. Piotr Jan was bullied into into taking this fight with him. I just want your thoughts on that. And uh, Bilal and Sean Brady, who has um, who has more paths to victory in this one? Do you think? Um, have a heck of a morning, man. And to everyone in the chat, you have a heck of a morning too, man. Guys, peace. I mean, just a positive way to start the program. Well wishes to us all, and that's why Double A is a uh, is the man. So, yes, Sean O'Malley said that Piotr was bullied into taking this fight. I don't really believe that. I don't believe that. I, I think there was some surprise, I'm sure, on the Jan side that he got this fight. But for Piotr Jan, this was the best-case scenario for him. This was the biggest name he, he could get at the time because he wasn't getting a title fight. He wasn't getting TJ. Everybody else was booked. Marab was fighting Cruz. Or not Marab, uh, Marlon Vera's fighting Cruz, Maraba's fighting Jose Aldo. All the big names were off the board. So you kind of look up and down the line who was left. They weren't going to throw him in there with Frankie Edgar for the retirement fight. So let's give him the biggest. So they gave him the biggest name possible that was available. So I, I don't think Piotr Jan was like, no, I don't want to fight this dude. I think Piotr and his team saw the value in this because with what was available, this was kind of the best case scenario for him. It's a, it's a fight he could certainly win. And he's, uh, he's not, I mean, not as heavily favored as he was before, but he's favored to win this fight. And I think if these guys fight 10 times, he probably wins eight of them. Now, is this going to be one of the two times that Sean O'Malley wins? I don't know. The three rounds certainly makes this fight interesting because Piotr is a five round fighter He's very good at five-round fights. His style has built around being a five-round fighter. He's really good at it. He usually will take the first round off and sort of figure out tendencies and let the codes kind of go into his brain, and then he turns it on. And what makes his fight so interesting is that Sean, for the most part, we didn't see it a ton in the Pedro Munoz fight, but Sean usually comes out pretty strong. He's a quicker starter than Jan is, and Piotr can't, just give rounds away in a five round fight. Sure. You can come back and make things happen and you got 20 more minutes to work with. But in this case, you don't have that luxury. You can't be giving away rounds. Cause then all Sean has to do moving forward is win two or three more minutes and he wins the fight. So I'm really interested to see how both guys handle this. But to me, I think Jan should win, but it wouldn't stun me if Sean won. But I, I'm, my official pickle part will be Piotr Jan by decision. Wouldn't be shocked to see a late finish. The Muhammad Brady fight is really interesting because 
people talk about how high I've been over the years on Armand Sarukian. For those who have followed me pre-MMA fighting, I've been high on Sean Brady for, I mean, super long, well before he's in the UFC. There are only a few of us doing interviews with Sean Brady early in his career, and I was one of those people. James Lynch is another. We were two of the guys that were interviewing this dude when he was running stuff over at CFFC and stuff like that. And, you know, Sean never really forgets that. But this is a great fight because both guys are really good wrestlers, both offensively and defensively. It's really hard to get both these guys down to the ground. So this could this could play out a lot on the feet. And I think Bilal is probably the better striker here. Here's where things get interesting. If I'm Sean Brady's team, I'm I'm making it a absolute point to win that first round. He has to win the first round. He cannot let Bilal get going and get out to an early lead on him because Bilal's pace is incredible. I think Brady is an overall better wrestler, but Bilal just puts on such a pace, puts on such a pace. And I think Sean Brady is going to be a lot stronger than Bilal is going to give him credit for. But the pace of Bilal is going to be so interesting in this fight. If Bilal can win that first round, he's got a real good chance to win this fight because I see Bilal winning the third. So it's for Sean Brady, it is imperative that he wins the first round. Somehow finds a way to get the fight to the ground. Somehow lands a big shot. He's got to win that first round. Bilal's got a real good chance here. And I'm very high on Sean Brady. What's interesting about Brady, too, is... He's had, he had the nose surgery. He's been dealing with that nose issue for a long, long time. And he's finally had the chance to clear it up. And he said that really affected him in the Michael Chiesa fight because we saw what happened in the third round of that fight. And that's what's giving people a lot of pause on taking Sean Brady as they remember the third round against Michael Chiesa where Chiesa had him in big, big trouble. And had it been a five-round fight, Chiesa probably wins that fight. And to me, if this is a five-round fight, I'm... I would take Bilal in a five-round fight. But this is three rounds, and Brady's a very good three-round fighter. So I'm taking Sean Brady, but it's not a pick that I'm fully confident with because Bilal's really good. He's really, really good, and he gets better with every fight. But this is one of those fights where, and I think a lot of Bilal fights are like this, we're going to know in the first five minutes if Bilal's going to win or not. We'll know. But that first round is massive in this fight. It's so big. It's so big. All right, we'll go to Tristan. We'll go to Dominic. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. So um, I need also to the rundown of what's going to happen on on Saturday. So I'm looking right now. UFC 280 during the post-fight press conference on Friday. It's you, A.K. Lee, Sean Alshad, and Casey. The problem is I'm trying to figure out is on Saturday who's doing the pre-fight Q&A. That's at 9.15 in the morning, I believe. I don't know. There's no way you're doing that. So I guess somebody else is going to host it. And then after the UFC team 280 is over, who's doing the press conference post-fight? And then who, and then who's doing the, uh, the Q&A afterwards? Are you still doing that? I don't, I don't even know. Um, I don't even – I mean, I don't know how the schedule is going to work out. So just give me an explanation on that. Also, too, um, I have to shout out – I got to shout out on Benio Dariush. 
that guy that guy's the man. I've watched all his interviews on on these fights and he's just he man, he's a G. Um he's gonna fight whoever and he understands listen, I think he should get a title shot to be honest. And in the normal world he should get a title shot, but he also understands from a business standpoint of what the UFC is trying to do. They're trying to make money and they're going to try to put the best fights possible and they're try- and try to do what they want to do. So I just feel really bad. My heart goes out to him. I'm, I'm rooting for him for this fight, man. I, I, I know Matu, Matu Scamra, he could win and this could be, this dream could be over for Benil, but I, I really hope he wins, gets it out and gets a win, man, because he deserves it. He's done everything asked of him and then some, and he's, not put any ill will towards any other fighter. He's not complaining. He's not, like you said, I'm not begging for fights. I'm going to fight who's in front of me. And then my last point, going back to the Sean Brady versus uh, Bilal Muhammad, um, you know, what I'm hearing, what is going to, what is going to like win this fight? Do you feel that Brady's grappling and his strength is going to overwhelm um, Bala, uh, Muhammad, or do you think Muhammad is very good strategically in game planning and um, making sure that he capitalizes on a person's weakness to win the fight? We saw that it, we've seen this in his previous fight of his game plan and sticking to that and then winning it that way. So, just your thoughts on that and just a rundown of what's going to happen on Saturday if you have that already planned in your head or mapped out. And, um, Again, shout out to Benito Darius. I'm rooting for you, man. Thanks for everything, Mike, and have a heck of a morning. Thank you, Tristan. So I'll go backwards. So the Bilal fight, I mean, Bray's strength is going to be a huge factor in this fight. But I'm telling, like, to me, I'm telling, like, to me, Bilal's going to win the third round. I just, that's just how I see it. So that first round is so imperative. That first round is so imperative. The way I see it, I mean, because they're both stud defensive wrestlers. They're really good. And they're both really good offensive wrestlers. I think Brady is the better offensive wrestler, but they're both excellent defensively. If Brady can get takedowns, he'll win the fight. Plain and simple. Because if Brady gets on top of Bilal, he's going to have a real tough time getting up. He's going to have a real hard time. Because Brady's humongous. He's... Probably the strongest dude that he's fought, at least during the streak. And Brady's real good on top. Once he gets you down, it's very tough to get him off of you. And he's very advantageous down there. What makes this fight interesting is that if Brady can't get takedowns and this plays out on the feet, I think Bilal's the better striker. So it's just such a good fight. It's such a good fight. The Darius Gamrat fight, to me, and I know it's impossible to do this, but play, with, pl- play this game with me for a minute. And you might not agree with me, but I'm going to just throw this out there anyway because I truly believe this. You take the stakes out of all of these fights. Just, it's impossible to do, but just bear with me here. Take the stakes out of all of these fights. Gamrat Dariush is the best fight on the card. Take all Again, there's titles and there's five rounds. I get it. To me, this is the best fight on the card. This is the most competitive fight on the card. This is one where I just have no idea what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen. 
I think Darius should win. Because what Gamrod does well, Darius does really well and might even do it better. But to Tristan's point, my one concern, and it's like nothing to do with the fight itself, is that the MMA gods just don't like Benil Darius. I feel like this dude has just been so unlucky. He's been so incredibly unlucky with all of this, with this whole build. But I think Darius just doesn't get enough credit for, for how good he really is. He's a great wrestler. He's a tremendous grappler. And he's great in scrambles. And guess what? Darius can strike too. He's become an exciting fighter. Some of his knockouts are just ridiculous. This fight is fantastic. And it's not getting any love. It's not getting talked about enough. But I think by the time Saturday ends, we're going to be like, damn, that fight was great. But if you're looking at this from a betting perspective, and I understand we're high on Gamrod after that incredible fight, that incredible war with Armand Sarukian, I just think Darius is, a, is super live at plus 160 right now, which is what he's currently at. If I'm betting on this fight, if I have to bet on this fight, I'm betting on Darius at plus 160. But this fight's great. God, I can't wait for it. And then the other part with the, the, the programming tomorrow, I believe it's at 1230 Eastern. We're going to do our preview show. We'll do it live Saturday. We'll have the same programming. We obviously are adding the watch party. I will not be on the Q and a because I don't know what the hell is going to be happening. I'll probably be in an Uber at that point getting to the studio. So I think Jed and Casey are going to do it. And then the plan is, once the watch party wraps, I'm going to try. Maybe someone else will begin the press conference stuff. But I will definitely be on the post-fight show. I'll just do it in the studio. I, I don't know how the setup's going to be. I'll probably just bring my mic and my webcam and just do it off my laptop. But I will definitely do the post-fight show. I will probably be able to hop in for the press conference stuff. But that's how it's going to work. But I won't be on the Q&A. That is for certain. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. 
Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Let's go to Dominic. This might be a first time caller, actually. Dominic, hello. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. How are you, man? Good, good, good. Um, so I have like two questions for you. Um, well, I just wanted to go off the last stuff you talked about. Yeah, the Blah Muhammad Sean Brady fight, that's a that's a great fight that I actually can't wait to watch. Uh watching Blah Muhammad against Vicente Luque and him like beating him like that, that was that was absolutely crazy. So that's like su- a su- super tough fight to like bet on and like, you know, predict the outcome. Um and then like the Bener Dariush fight, I I also had a question regarding him like I, I saw on social media that um, Alexander Volkanovsky was the backup to Charles Oliveira and Islam Makashev. And then I saw somewhere that Benel Dariush thought that he was the backup. So I was wondering why that was like a thing and like why Benel Dariush thought that. I don't know if he was just like trolling or just, you know, trying to get a shot. Because, yeah, you are right that like that guy gets no love. His winning streak and he doesn't get a title shot. Like that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But uh, my two questions for you were... Um, uh, first was obviously, um, who do you think is going to win this main event, Charles and Islam Makashev? Like, I bet against Charles, like when he was fighting Gaethje, um, solely because of like he lost the belt, he was he missed weight by that by that half a pound, and I was like, oh man, there's no way Charles is going to win this, you know. But after he fought Gaethje, that really showed me that not only he's is he physically strong, but he is mentally very very strong. So I'm really just wondering. What do you, who do you think is going to win this? Because, you know, obviously it's on Makashev. That's like a Khabib 2.0, Khabib number two. Like, it's it's crazy. So it's like, I really just don't know. So I'd love to get your insight on that. And then my last question is, um, why is this fight in Abu Dhabi? Like, I'm kind of surprised this wasn't in Brazil. You know, this is, obviously everybody sees Charles as the, as the, as the champ. Like, why isn't this in Brazil? Like, why isn't this, why isn't this, why isn't it on his home turf? Why are we on a Islam Makashev's home turf? But um, but yeah, thank you for giving me giving us all this information, Mike. For, appreciate it. Thanks, man. So it's in Abu Dhabi because the UFC is paid lots of money by the government to put on the best cards possible, and this is what happened. So this is the fight that got made. I think the co-main event being on this card makes less sense between Sterling and Dillashaw when they could just fight at MSG three weeks later in Sterling's like home state. So that to me is a little stranger, but I get it. Bilal, I mean, not Bilal, uh, Charles Oliveira is not the champion right now. He doesn't really have a lot of power in this situation because this is for the vacant title. But I also think for Charles, I think he gets a little more carte blanche if he wins. If he wins in Brazil, it's just like, okay, he won in Brazil. But if he wins on the road, so to speak, in a, a, a circumstance that is not tailor-made for him, if you will, UFC gives him more options. Now, we've talked about this a lot. And this being on this card tells me that Charles Oliveira, if he wins, will have a little more power with the, with the bats, if you will. Which means if he wants the Connor fight, I don't think it's out of play. It's silly to say. It makes no sense meritocratically. But if Charles wants the Connor fight, I think he has a much better chance of getting it. If he wants Volkanovsky over a Dariush or a Gamrot, he'll get it. Now, I know Dana White 
I know things are coming out saying Dana White said that Volkanovski is definitely next. If you actually watch the interview, he just said that it makes sense. It's just Dana being a little bit non-committal right now. He just said it makes it makes sense. So we'll, we'll see what happens because Volk's in a really interesting spot because he could let's just say Oliveira goes out there and does the damn thing, and he's like, "I'm going to fight in Brazil," and they offer Volkanovski that fight. Is he just going to say no because I want to fight in Perth? I don't know what he's going to do. Are they going to try to have that fight in Perth and have Volk headline? I don't know. I don't know, but the options will be a plenty if if Charles Oliveira wins this fight. As far as my prediction goes, looking at past fights, looking at the styles of both guys, it is very e- it would be very easy for me to just come on here and say that Islam Makachev is just going to win this fight. And boy, does he have the style to beat Charles Oliveira. This is just a really awful style matchup for Charles Oliveira. But we have said this about Charles Oliveira in almost every fight he's in, that it's a horrible style matchup for him. So the way I'm going with this is not from a technical standpoint. I'm going with the vibe standpoint. This is what my vibes, this is what my gut is telling me. I am not going to pick against Charles Oliveira until I'm given a reason to do so. I'm done picking against him. I'm done doubting him. I'm done saying that this is a terrible stylistic matchup for him. I'm done saying it until I'm proven wrong. I'm going with the Ric Flair approach to this. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And if he, if Islam Makachev beats Charles Oliveira, awesome. Good for him. Congratulations to you. But until I see it, I'm not picking against Charles. I'm not picking against him. And it has nothing to do with the skill sets. It's not me hating on Islam because all the signs are telling me that Islam should win this fight from a technical standpoint from a stylistic perspective. But to me, until I see it, I'm not picking against Charles. So that's a, it's a total vibe pick. That's where I'm at right now. I don't want to overthink this because it's going to drive me crazy because the fight's really interesting on paper. I just feel like at some point in the first 15 minutes of this fight, as patient and as sound of a fighter as Islam Makachev is, Charles Oliveira is so good at creating chaos and no one is better fighting in chaos than Charles Oliveira. He thrives on it and he actually becomes more powerful once chaos ensues. And at some point in the first three rounds, it's, there's going to be, that's going to happen. It's going to happen early in this fight. It's going to happen early in this fight. Now, the longer this fight goes, the more it's going to favor Islam Makachev, in my opinion. If this goes to the championship rounds and Oliveira didn't win the first three, it could be a rough final 10 minutes for him. But I don't know. This just seems like if chaos appears at all, that Oliveira could win. If it doesn't, but it will. It's just going to happen. It's just how is Islam going to deal with that? That's the biggest question I have in this fight. Otherwise, all sides are pointing to Islam being the guy to beat Charles. But until I see it, I'm not picking against him. Let's go to Four Corner Sports. What's up, Four Corner? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Um, question, how long would you be, be staying in New York? And I just want to know, like, what places are you planning on visiting? Like, do you have any, any like, restaurants you're planning on, on visiting here in New York for the time being? 
Um, I didn't get to watch Ariel's show because I was flying in back from New York. So I didn't. I don't know too much of the full details. All I just saw is that you're going to be doing a thing with uh, Connor Burks. So I don't know if you could just give me like a quick rundown of what's going to be like the watch party like. Yeah. Man. So we're going to start at 145 Eastern. It's going to be me and GC in the studio. Mysterious Frank will be a part of the broadcast as well, which I'm excited to meet the Mysterious Frank because – Frankly, he's been a mystery to me. I've never met the man. I've never even spoken to him, but I will get to speak with him on Saturday. I'm very excited. Along the way, we're going to play some games, have some trivia questions for GC and for the peeps in between fights. Maybe we'll have a a John Jones announcement to react to. I have no insight on this, but maybe we will. We will have special guests along the way. Some of the MMA fighting staffers will jump in. I believe, uh, Our man Drake Riggs is going to hop in for a fight to represent the Bloody Elbow MMA Mania side of things. And then the main event, we will have a special guest, highly ranked, lightweight contender who everybody seems to love. He will join us to watch the main event. So we're going to do something a little bit differently. And again, this is the first time we're doing this. So this is going to be a learning experience for us all. And if this goes really well and we can do more, then, I mean, my wheels are going to be spinning. Because that's how I work. When I find out this is going to be a thing, I was already 10 moves ahead of everybody. So that's how it's going to be. It's just going to be us hanging out. It's going to be you just basically looking through a screen, and we're all going to be watching the fights together. It's just going to be how you would be uh, like if you were at a, a bar or something. We're just sitting around shooting the breeze and talking about fights and reacting at the same time, which I'm very excited about. I will be in New York for a day and a half, I guess. Like that's how I, so I fly, my flight Saturday is like super early in the morning, but my flight home is on Sunday at like eight o'clock at night. So plan is check out of the hotel, do on to the next one live with AK Sunday morning, and then probably go somewhere, maybe meet up with GC or something and watch some football, have some food before I have to go sit back at the Newark airport. But yeah, I'll be there till, I'll be there till Sunday nights. Let's go to Vikings waiting for a minute. I'm going to get to everybody. I promise. I'm going to get to everybody. We'll get to William next after this Viking. What's up? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What is the reason you have started a space uh, maybe one hour early? I was not expecting this. Well, we did it earlier because the press conference for 280 starts at 10. I thought it started earlier than that. I thought by the time we started the show, we'd be reacting to it, but it turns out it doesn't start till the top of the hour. So. Um, we're going to do, just wanted to get it, get it done before that, because after that, it's going to be a little tough with BTL coming up at one. And I wanted to make sure I gave you guys some time here. Okay. Okay. No worries, mate. Uh, I'm, I just want to tell you one more thing. I'm pretty happy about the question I asked about the pressure situation in the fight between Charles Oliver and Mark Ajay in the space a few weeks earlier. And, and, and now I'm very, and now every uh, other podcast networks and guys who take interviews are asking the same question to the former fighters and analysts. And my girlfriend told me that you put that as a headline of a heck of a morning episode of that particular space into the pod network. So really appreciate it. 
I just wanna, I just wanna talk about the main event of UFC 280, and I think one of the reason why this fight is highly anticipated because uh, they feel like they are the two best in the division, Charles and Makachev. But if Charles win, he is the lightweight goat for for many people, many 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 people. Uh, Uh, goat uh, Charles is a lightweight goat, and Khabib will have just that twenty-nine zero mark. He never fought an elite, uh, elite level grappler or wrestler, meaning high level competition. But if Makachev wins, the competition they already have in the lightweight division, killer after killer. So, what what do you think about Makachev? Will Will Makachev kind of start to rival Khabib's legacy if he successfully defends his title three more time after this one? Please, Mike, don't say that Makachev is his brother and he will be happy to be beaten by his own brother. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. So, yeah, I mean. That's been one of the big questions is the legacies of both guys, depending on who wins. Now, Oliveira, if he wins, he's definitely in the conversation. Some people feel like he is the best lightweight of all time if he wins. And like I said, I'm not willing to make that leap just yet. He's definitely there. Like, he's in the mix. At worst, he's number two. He's probably 1B. There's arguments that can be made for both sides. Now, if Islam wins and then he starts on – if Islam wins, he's not there. I'll just put that out there. He's not there. He just doesn't have the resume that either Habib or Oliveira has. This is a, uh, Oliveira is a big win, but you just feel like at some point the way Oliveira has been fighting and the risks that he takes, that this is going to have to end at some point. Now, is it going to end on Saturday? I don't know. But if he wins, obviously that's, that's big. And there's a lot of talk about what Islam will need to do to overtake Habib. And it's just – He's going to be in a real interesting spot because eventually the top of this division is going to have to part. We're going to have to start seeing these young bloods getting their opportunities. We're going to have to see the Fazeves and I mean, Gamrot's getting a big opportunity, but we're going to have to see some of these guys, the Jalen Turners, the Sarukians, eventually the Grant Dawson's, possibly the Claudio Poyas's get their opportunity. So by the time Islam starts to go on this run, he might be just looking at a whole different crop of guys. And to me, if Islam can go out and beat all these dudes, like the, the current top five and then some of these up-and-coming killers, his resume could end up better than Habib's. Here's my devil's advocate. Here's how I'll play this. I think everything that Islam Makachev does will have an attachment to Habib. So to me, it's not just like whose legacy is better. With every success Makachev has, it only makes Habib's more powerful because not only is he, was he doing it as a fighter, now he's doing it as a coach. Now he's doing it as like the number two. So he's, his legacy only expands his, him, himself with the success of Islam Makachev. So I, don't, I honestly, like truly, and I know, like you said, this is a fancy answer and it's a it's, – Whatever, but I think I honestly do believe that in Habib's mind, it is more important for Islam to be that dude over him. 
I think it means more to Habib as, as a coach and a number two to be that guy. More, I think that means more to him than him being that guy, if that makes sense. But it's a conversation that will be beginning if Islam can win this fight, and it's really interesting if Oliveira wins. So just adds more elements to the storyline. William, what's up? Hey, pal. How you doing? No complaints. All right. Let's get to some real questions. We doing a weigh-in show tonight, bro? Yes, of course. You think AK is going to miss out on that opportunity? This is like Christmas for Oh, him. my gosh. So thankful. I just saw you guys updated a bunch of stuff on YouTube with upcoming shows, and I didn't see the weigh-in show. So I was just drinking my morning coffee, wondering what was going on. Happy to hear it. I muted myself. There we go. Yeah, there will be a weigh-in show. I don't know exactly what time that's going to begin. We will let you know. But, yeah, AK is going to be a busy man today. He's going to work. He's going to do BTL. He'll take a breather, maybe take a nap, and then he'll be back later on. I'm, I'm even pondering jumping on that as well. Uh, I got a couple of softball games. I'm going to be jacked up from those because that's I'm just a competitive dude like that. So I might still have some adrenaline flow, and I might even hop on for a little while. Who knows? But, yes, we will do one because AK will be very upset if we don't have one. Kirkland, what's up? Oh, not much, Mike. How's it going? It's going. It's going, man. It sure is. Um, I just kind of wanted to piggyback over one of the last things you talked about uh, with Habib. Um, I was yet again on the great website, MMAfighting.com, and read the write-up about – uh, his recent appearance, and I can't remember the name of the podcast, but on a podcast where in his interview, he basically said his heart was never in it. Um, I was kind of blown away by that, to be honest with you. I didn't know that somebody could not completely love something and go and be as great as he ended up being. But uh, I was just wondering if that made you feel vindicated on your opinion that he's steadfast and not wanting to come back. And... Um, you know, the further opinion that he wants to be great as a coach now and wants Islam to further, you know, surpass him. Uh, I mean, do you feel, do you think that the conversation about Khabib coming back will finally die with interviews like this, Mike? Because uh, personally, I'm really hoping so. I'm hoping that the man can just move on with his existence because he really seems like he's done to me. But anyways, happy 280. Really looking forward to the fights. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I never thought Habib was coming back. I never thought Habib was coming back. And I know AK is going to come on BTL today, and he's going to say, Oliveira beating Islam Makachev will get him back. No, it won't get him back. When he made the decision to be done, he was done. He was done. Him losing his father, just that was it. That was it. He gave him one more. And then he was, he's done. He's just done. And to him, it's more about carrying on that legacy of being a leader and being a coach and growing talent from the ground up. Some of them are just so good and that he already had a big hand in. But now we have some of these other fighters that, that he corners and he coaches and stuff like that. And who knows? By Thanksgiving, he could be the coach 
and like the number two, so to speak, of the lightweight champions in the two biggest organizations in the sport. Because I firmly believe Usman Nurmagomedov is going to beat Patricky Pitbull and win the Bellator lightweight title. He could be sitting there with, with two world champions, same weight class, two completely different promotions as a coach. And to me, that I think that means just so much more to him. I don't think he's coming back. I think a guy like Habib, when he says, I'm done, he's done. He's done. And that's why I thought the whole build of Dana trying to get him back and them doing that ABC card on Fight Island and saying, we have an update on Habib Nurmagomedov, and he gave us nothing. He ain't fighting. He's not fighting. He's done. And I understand the need for people to want more from him because as great as he was as a competitor, I don't think we ever saw his best. I don't think we ever saw the best of Habib. And that's going to give us, that's going to leave us wondering what else he could have done, how great he could have been. I just, I just don't think we saw the best of him. I think he, there's more room to grow. I think he could have even gotten better. So I think he's done. I think he's done. And I think being the coach now and, and being that dude, I think that means more to him than, than fighting. So I don't think the conversation will ever stop, by the way. Um, hopefully in like two or three years it'll stop, but I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. In fact, the first question people are going to ask Charles Oliveira after if, if he wins is about Habib. And this is going to continue to go on for a little while longer. But I think if Oliveira wins and then goes on to fight Volk or fight whoever, gets another win or two, and he's still the champion, I think the conversation dies out a little bit. But I don't think it's ever going to fully go away. Yeah, yeah. How are you? What's going on, Big Mike? Happy Thursday, bro. You too. Uh, so I know you mentioned earlier that Islam's style can be problematic for Charles Oliveira. What do you think in Charles Rivera's style will be problematic for Islam, like his striking, or do you think his jiu-jitsu will pose like a bigger challenge for Islam? Thank you, bro. To me, it's the, it's just the chaos factor this guy can bring. He is not afraid to take a risk at all. That That's it to me. Like, Oliveira is a powerhouse. Like, Justin Gaethje talks about it all the time. Justin Gaethje has said, Justin Gaethje has been in many, many, many wars with very powerful strikers. And to him, Charles Oliveira was the most powerful guy he's ever fought. Islam has been knocked out before. No doubt of it. He's, anyone can get knocked out. Anybody can get knocked out. So the striking advantage is going to be with Charles. But it's not going to be as significant as people think. Because Islam can strike too. And what, Char- what troubles Charles Oliveira in exchanges on the feet is leaving himself open to left-hand counters. And you know who does that really well? Islam Makachev does that really well. Now, does he have the power to, like, just bolt Charles and, like, knock him on his ass? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But here's the difference here. This is a great point that that Jed Mishu made on No Bets Barred, and it's something that I thought of, and he put it in, like, the best possible words. So allow me to try to paraphrase this if I can. What Charles Oliveira does so well is that the times he gets knocked down, yeah, he gets hit hard, 
yeah, there are times where he gets clipped a little bit and he falls down. But what Charles Oliveira does so well is it's, he uses that as like a defense mechanism. When he's fighting Chandler and he's fighting Gaethje and he's fighting Poirier and he's fighting guys like that, he knows he can use that as a defense mechanism. It's worse for Charles Oliveira if he's getting smashed in, like up against the fence and he's just kidding. Like if Poirier goes off on him or Gaethje starts teeing off on him or Chandler starts teeing off on him. It is better for him defensively to just fall to the floor for two reasons. One, if someone goes down there with him, of those three names I just mentioned, no one's going to be a big problem for him down there. And two, he can use that time to get his wits back because for the most part, no one's going to follow him down there. Islam is going to follow him down there if he drops him. Which to me means, is he going to look at things defensively a little bit differently in this fight? Because that thing he's used to kind of get his wits back about him, take a deep breath, he's not going to have that advantage in this fight. Because if this fight goes to the ground, Islam's just going to get right on top of him and just smush him and beat him up. And I know there's a lot of talk about Charles's guard and stuff. But he's susceptible in that guard. We've seen it many times. We've seen guys do very well in Charles's guard. The Paul Felder fight in particular stands out because he sat in his guard and just elbowed his face off. Kevin Lee had a lot of success in his guard too. Kevin Lee just ran out of, ga- ran out of gas. And he shot a sloppy takedown and he got gillied. Islam's not going to get sloppy. So for Charles to win... I don't think it's like any particular skill set. He just needs to invoke the chaos clause and just go all in on it because we don't know how Islam can handle that. Cause usually Islam does what he does. He makes it his fight. It's X's and O's. We do this. We do this. We do this. Charles don't fight like that. Charles wants Islam is just a nice little rainstorm. Nice little rainstorm. You know what's coming. The sky's going to be dark. Rain's going to fall. There's going to be puddles. Like, we know this is going to happen. Charles is like, no, I am not a, a thunderstorm. I'm a freaking tornado. I'm a hurricane. I'm unpredictable. I'm here for chaos. I'm here to knock down trees. I'm here to knock your power lines out. I want this to be as chaotic as possible. And he's going to do it. He is going to try his ass off to do that. Now, how will Islam be able to deal with that? That is the biggest question I have in this fight. Because if he deals with that well, he's going to win. And skill for skill, he matches up excellent with Charles Oliveira. But it's that glimmer of chaos. It's that potential of all-out anarchy that Charles thrives in. But we haven't really seen Islam in. Especially with a guy who could hit as hard as Charles. And that's what makes this fight so interesting. Skill for skill, Islam should win this fight. But it's that chaos factor. Because you can sit there and you can, you can prepare for jiu-jitsu. You can prepare to defend wrestling and, and defend takedowns. You can sit in camp. All, like He could sit in camp all day long and prepare for Islam's takedowns. Just bring dudes in and just take them down, try to take them down over and over and over again. Like you can prepare for that. 
You can't prepare for the chaos that Oliveira brings to these fights because he's so unpredictable. You never know what he's going to do. Unless you just, like, throw Islam in a cage and turn the lights off and throw five dudes at him. Like, how could you possibly prepare for that? So that's the biggest intangible I think Oliveira has is just his ability to thrive in the, in the absolute anarchy of it all. And we'll see how Islam handles it. If he handles it well, he should win. Mark, what's so, up, buddy? Charles has been notorious for visual, visual impairment, and he reported that he just got LASIK done not too long ago. And I'm thinking that that's going to bring that left check hook. I feel like he's going to react to it differently now. Maybe not. We don't really know, right? But that could put the, him getting hit with the check hook could could have played part in bad vision, right? It's a slow reaction. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's it's possible. But habits, old habits are hard to break, even if you're Charles Oliveira. But you don't even ch- need to change that much. I mean, you're winning. You're 111 in a row. You just finished. You're finishing killers left and right. You finished 10 of your of 11 fights, and your other win was just a complete thrashing of Tony Ferguson, which at the time we didn't realize – I mean, it's, that, that win doesn't age as gracefully and as well as it probably could have. But, again, like, that's – I mean, while Islam lands that check hook and other guys have had success to it, that doesn't make Charles, like, a worse fighter. It's just an opening that they have. But he still found ways to win, which is what makes this guy so interesting. But I think Charles is going to have to just let it fly and just – Invoke chaos for as long as he can do it. Because eventually Islam's going to get him to the ground. Now, Charles can create scrambles, and that's where he's most dangerous on the ground. It's not just being off of his back or anything like that. It's his ability to scramble and, again, create chaos. Chaos rules for Charles Oliveira. Chaos rules. And he needs to... Invoke that chaos as much as possible. Or it's going to be a long-ass night for him. Let's go to Paradise Katina. Paradise, hello. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Ronnie from Paradise. Good morning, Mike. How are you? We're good, buddy. We're waking up at uh, 6 a.m. On, uh, on the West Coast just to get uh, conditioned for the weekend. So I got a clear head. <laughs> there you go. Um, well done. I got to tell you, you know, you're spot on about that, Olives. I, mean, I, I watched... I mean, I've, I've been betting. I don't even know what the hell I've been doing the last. I've been killing every goddamn main event, and I always bet against Oliver, where it should be. A, <laughs> the guy is just, I think, because we all have those flashbacks of him giving up and being a quitter, like every one of his fighters have said, you know, his opponents have said. And, well, the kid just grew up. He grew up in the UFC. I mean, he grew up and he became, I don't know, he's a grown-ass man, though, and I'll tell you. He's not afraid of anyone, but I feel like the only way he really does win this fight is exactly that, just firefight. I mean, I was positive, positive that nobody could be more comfortable in chaos than Justin Gagey just from watching every single fucking fight the kid's ever been in. And he was the one that was panicking. He was the one that was against Oliveira. It was just wild to see. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just that, Paste, uh, not worried about getting taken down or what it is that 
the guy just goes out there with this supreme confidence, that high knee, and just swing it. I mean, the first punch he threw against Gagey, I mean, it it had a, a lasting effect on the entire round. And Gagey even admitted it, you know. So um, I think the guy's a different dude. I just think it's hard for everybody to just to get rid of those memories of, you know, I, shit, it seemed like yesterday that Paul Felder was smashing him on the ground, you know, in that, in, in that guard you were talking about. But I don't know how, I don't know how this guy, every time you look on paper, Islam, absolutely. There's no reason that he shouldn't go out there, take him down, smash him, do what he does all the time. I just have this feeling that maybe I just don't want to get burned by olives anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> That that guy just seems to be that dude, and and he, but I was in attendance uh, when he fought Poirier at T-Mobile, and I'm telling you, it just seemed like, oh yeah, Poirier's too tough for him. He's just gonna just wear him out, beat him up. Next thing you know, he's tapping out. You're like, what the hell? The kid just finds a way to win, and there's something to be said for that, you know. Um, Islam is a machine, but having said that, I mean the only guy. Sarukian, that fight was tough, and they, he was a kid, but that was grappling versus grappling. This is different. I just, he's never been in that battle because he's never had to. I mean, he's been there. You broke up. I lost you, Paradise. All good. Uh, a lot to sort of decipher from all that. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, Islam has been in, like, chaotic grappling scrambles. Like, the Sarukian fight, that fight, if we're talking about fights that age incredibly well, that fight is aged incredibly well. Because Saruk, I still, like, I don't care. I still think Sarukian beat Gamrot. I'm not going to die on that hill. But every time I've watched it, I felt like Sarukian won that fight. Armand Sarukian's going to fight for the title. And in my opinion, he's going to be the champion. At some point, that dude is going to be a world champion. I, 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 I'm very, very confident in that. But this is a different beast. This is a different beast. So we'll see. Like, again, this, all things considered, Islam stylistically should win this fight. But it's the chaos. How will he handle it? Because it's going to happen. He's going to, that is going to be, especially early in this fight. Charles is going to create chaos early. And I think that's the best time for him to do it. Because the long, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The longer this fight goes, the more it favors Islam Makachev. Because that style just wears on you. And here's, and if this fight gets to the championship rounds, Islam's got a real good chance to finish this fight. And it's not because of the quitting and anything like that. But if Islam can deal with the chaos well and just swim in it and be fine. It's got to be a rotten night for Charles Oliveira. Like really tough. And that is, he's just going to wear on him. Like I could see around, like the first round is going to be insane. Second round is going to be probably insane, but a little less. And then by the third round, Islam's going to turn it on. He's going to get takedowns. He's going to start to wear on Charles. The momentum of the fight probably shifts midway through the third round. And then Islam's going to get cooking. And it's just a matter of time. 
either he just deals with it or he's just like, this sucks. I'm like, I don't know. There's so many questions in this fight. But again, skill for skill, Islam should win. What he does well, Oliveira is kind of overrated at. But reputation precedes him. And Islam's not wrong when he says these guys didn't go to the ground with him after they dropped him. I ain't gonna not, I'm not going to be afraid to go down there with him. And he won't be. And he'll do fine down there. Especially later in the fight. But it's just how will he, how can he handle the absolute lunacy that Charles Oliveira brings into that octagon? That is the biggest question I have in this fight. Let's go to Jordan. Mike, I just wanted to see, talk to you this week. I saw the announcement yesterday at UNG having the watch along for UFC 280. Had Let's I had go. to go off work to make sure I could just be around and be around for the whole thing. It's one of those type of pay-per-views. I just wanted to touch base out of all the pay-per-views we've got on store this, this year so far. Is this the one that you're like, this is the card. This is the one. Yeah, probably. I mean, it, it top. I mean, this. I think it's the best card of the year. It's the best main card by far. Even the the featured prelim has stakes, and it's interesting, and it has. It'll have real effect on the division. So, yeah, I, I just, and plus, I I just love me early day MMA. Like I look forward to these October pay per views because I know we're getting them early in the day. And that's okay. Once in a while, you, you, you screw around and give us an early day card. I love that. I feel bad for some of the other folks internationally, but we'll be wrapped and packed with everything at like 1030, maybe earlier Saturday night. Might go out and get a pizza in New York. I'll have time. It's beautiful. But I can't wait. This, I mean, the, the main card is spectacular. It's so good. Every fight matters. It's an excellent card. Excellent card. All right, let's go to King Cat. We got six other people waiting. I'm going to get to all of you, and then I got to go. King Cat, what's up? Hey, Mike. Um, so, you know, the UFC always kind of, in the back of their minds, want someone to win. Uh, who do you think they want to win, Islam or Charles? Uh, you might think it's... Um, Islam because they can kind of, you know, do the Khabib 2.0, but it might be Charles because he's just more entertaining and, you know, it's always going to be an exciting fight and people are going to want to buy that pay-per-view, but who do you think they're really wanting to win here? Thanks. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You could probably make arguments for both for both of them, but I would say probably Islam just because of I mean, you could have Islam as the lightweight champion headlining Abu Dhabi as much as possible. The UFC is going to be thrilled with that because they're going to – this relationship will continue on. It will be very profitable for the UFC. And being able to throw that dude in the main event spot, it's good for business. It's good for business. But they'll – I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to sell it either way. But business sense, I would lean Islam just, again, like you said, the Habib factor doesn't hurt. But you can make an argument for Charles, too. Because they are going back to Brazil. And don't think Charles would fight. I mean, maybe he will fight on this car, on this January card if he wins. But I think the relationship with the 
this relationship with Abu Dhabi is better for business. And that's cool. Uh, let's go to Zeke. I got about eight minutes. Zeke, what's up, buddy? Mike, what's going on? Uh, I'll be short and sweet. I mean, I'm souped about the watch party. That's how I kind of, uh, you know, powered my way in here when uh, Henry Cejudo was butchering the English language on the Eagle FC watch along. So I'm souped. MMA fighting. Fantastic network besides these spaces and the watch along you guys are going to be offering. So check out MMA fighting. Lastly, give me a preview. I don't know if we talked about it a lot. I think it's getting a little overlooked. I don't know if it is. Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. I like the size. I think the striking, obviously, from the hands of Sean is going to be immaculate. It's going to be great to watch, especially with the close guard of Jan. My question to you is, do you think Jan wrestles a little bit? Do you think Peter Jan is going to have to wrestle? Do you think he can outshake Sean? I mean, maybe Sean will start a little early, but I think Jan will maybe even want to try to keep it on the feet. I don't know. I guess maybe do you think he'll have to wrestle? Is there a preview uh, that you have in mind? Thank you, Mike. Let's have a uh, heck of a week. Do I think he'll have to wrestle? No. Do I think he will wrestle? Yes. I think he will wrestle. I don't think he has to wrestle, but he'd be, he wouldn't be incredibly intelligent if he doesn't. So yeah, I think he'll wrestle. I don't think it's a necessary need because I think he can win this fight on the feet too, but I think at least just imposing the idea that he can wrestle is going to be huge in this fight. The way I see it is the first round is I, – I honestly don't see – I don't know what the first round is going to look like. I have so many questions because I just don't know if Jan will be able to take that round off like he typically does. He usually will take that first round off and just kind of develop his game plan in his mind. Like what is he doing? What can I take advantage of? He doesn't have five rounds here. He's only got three. So will he come out a little more aggressive? And here's – Honestly, like the more, the more I think about it, the question to me isn't will Piotr Jan wrestle. The question to me is will Sean O'Malley wrestle? After watching that first round with Aljo and seeing the success he had, and I understand that Sean isn't as strong with the wrestling base and getting takedowns as, as Sterling is, and Sterling get that back real quick. But Sean is no slouch on the mat. That dude, he's got skill down there. He's not a guy that's going to shoot a Islam Makachev waist lock and bring you down. But what if Sean takes him down? What if he does it in the first round? That makes things real interesting. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that, but the more I think about it, I'm sure Sean and his team are very smart. They saw holes in Jan's game in that second fight with Aljo. What if Sean wrestles? It's interesting. But I think Jan's going to win. I think Jan's going to win. Could be 29-28. I don't know. Maybe it's a late finish. I don't know. But I think Jan, I think Jan wins this fight 80% of the time. But is this one of the two times that Sean wins? I don't know. This is a five-round fight. It's a no-brainer pick. But the three rounds makes this more interesting. Let's go to Gallery Hope. Hello, Gallery. Hey, my brothers. How are you doing out there? Good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Uh, I just I I'm actually logged into another account, uh, but this is Brian Simmons with Grappler's Quest, 
And I just wanted to thank you for always supporting the small events uh, from sport fighting to grapplers quest that we ran over the years. Your, your site has been amazing and I really appreciate what you do. Um, my question is, and maybe it's just more of a deep thought is, have you noticed that when the athletes, you know, when an athlete wins, just like in any sport, they can thank anybody they want. Have you ever seen the difference though, when someone says, and they talk about, for example, Jesus compared to Allah, which uh, Islam always seems to thank, which it's his freedom of speech. I'm a big freedom of speech guy, freedom of religion. But have you seen Dana White ever say anything against people not thanking who they want to uh, outside of Jesus is my question. It was, it's very strange to me. I've been watching the UFC since the early, early days and obviously a big supporter. I was a partner with them for a long time. And I even remember us having a couple of T-shirt designs that had the Cristo with Brazil at UFC Fan Expo. And they literally were like, take those down. So I just, you know, wanted to know anyone's thoughts on that. Have you noticed that? Mm, not really. Um, but again, that's not something that I typically, not that I don't pay attention to it, but it's not something that I typically look for. But we see fighters all the time. Thank, I mean, I covered Mazdal's event on Friday. And I know it's not the UFC, but I covered Mazdal's event on Friday and Everybody who won, thank God. Thank Jesus. They thanked whoever they believe in. And we see that in the UFC a lot, too. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't – it's not something I really pay that much attention to, but I'll certainly look into it. We can readdress. All right, we got five people in line. Let's get to everybody real quick. Abs, Hello. Just got on mute. Hey, brother. Uh, great to hear. This is the first time I'm joining you, know, you guys in space. So I have just a quick question. Um, one is that you were talking about the chaos with the Charles Oliveira fight. But what do you think? How do you think the factor that uh, Islam uh, is defensively probably the most responsible guy, at least hit, hit fighter, how would that play in in, in nullifying Charles' uh, offense. And the second question I have is that how do you see Bilal versus uh, Sean Brady now that Bilal actually was working with uh, Dagestani crew um, uh, for full camp, actually? Uh, this is the second uh, half, one camp he did half training, and this is the full camp. So how do you uh, think it going uh, in, the, in, in the fight? Thank you. And why it is it not on main card? I was always wondering. Thanks. Thanks, man. So to answer your second question, it's not on the main card because they want to use that fight to get more pay-per-view buys. And to me, that's if you're not in the main event or the co-main events, that spot that that fight is in, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. That means the UFC is valuing you. That's in their eyes. That's like the third or fourth most important fight on the card because that you want to get those last minute buys. You want to have people watching ESPN do I want to spend 75 bucks on this? You put a high-level fight like that on there. And there's major stakes there. Unfortunately, just something had to go. And the toss-up was, do we do Chukagian versus Fioro? Or do we do Brady versus Muhammad? You weigh it out. There's, I think, I think 
personally were more excited about the Brady Muhammad fight, but there are more stakes in the f- women's flyweight fight. Manafiora wins, she's probably getting a title shot. Brady or Muhammad win, they're not getting a title shot. Not anytime soon. So it's probably just stakes more than anything, and UFC's putting faith in them to, to, to deliver a great fight. I'm picking Brady to win. I'm not confident in that pick. I don't think him training with Habib changes my opinion on the fight at all because I don't think, like, both are just excellent defensively with wrestling. Both are great offensively with wrestling. I think Brady's power and his strength in that department is just, it's just stronger than Bilal's. He's just a bigger, stronger guy. He's just a more athletic, big dude who is just huge for the weight class. Bilal's not huge for the weight class. Sean Brady's huge for the weight class. But to me, the difference in that fight, it's the first round. I think Brady's going to win, but he has to win the first round. If he doesn't win the first round, I don't think he wins. I don't think he wins because I think Bilal's going to win the third. He's got that pace. It's hard to deal with. Now, Brady had the nose surgery. We'll see how, he hit, how his cardio has improved, how much of a difference that makes. But Bilal's going to keep that pace on the entire fight. We'll see how Sean could deal with it because you saw him fade a little bit in that Chiesa fight. This fight could play out a lot on the feet. And I think Bilal has the advantage on the feet. But Brady, Brady's striking is getting better every fight. And he hits pretty damn hard. But Bilal is just the better pure striker and the volume's going to come. So it's a really interesting fight. I'm going with Brady, but I don't, I don't love that pick. I, I don't, there's a lot of fights in this car where I'm not confident in either side. I feel good about Brady, but I could definitely see many scenarios where Bilal's pace just becomes too much and He's just defensively sound and keeps this fight standing. That's the best thing Bilal can do is keep this fight standing. And even then he could be in some trouble, but he just does not want to be on his back with Sean Brady on top of him. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be a long one, be a long few minutes that he's going to be on his back. Cause it's going to be really tough for him to get somebody like Brady off of him. And then, yeah, listen, the defense with Mach- again, on paper with the Makachev Oliveira fight, stylistically skill for skill defense, all that Makachev should win this fight, but it's one thing to defend your typical martial arts styles. It's another to defend a frigging tornado coming at your face. That's a whole different thing, but Makachev should win on the skill set side. But again, you can't prepare for you can't prepare for that. You just have to you could be you could deal with it or you can't. And we'll see if Makachev can deal with it. Try to get Jackson in here. Good morning, Mike. Wheel is spinning. Good morning, Mike. Can you hey, hear me? Not working. Let's try Cavez. Okay, that's not working either. Let's try crypto. Real quick, we got like three minutes and I gotta go. 
Can you hear me? Man, we are just struggling here. Can't get anybody in. Let's try JD. Can you hear me? Man. Mike? Yeah, everyone's just got the spin wheel. I can't get anybody through for some reason. I'll try Kavez and Crypto one more time. Let's see. I'm here. If, uh, if you want to give... Podcast listeners are like, what the hell are you doing? Okay. All right. Let's see. I can't get anybody through. I don't understand. You know? Mike? Are you able to hear me? All right. All right. So we tried. Apologies. All right. I I haven't tried JD a second time. So this will be the last go. If not. Oh, wait a minute. Unmute JD. Unmute. Yes. We got him. All right. Awesome. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, Listen, I got two questions for you. One, I'll try and make it quick. Uh, In a world without Valentina, the women's flyweight champion. Who do you think it would be? Does Jukagian have a leg to stand on with that? And then two, uh, seeing as Ray Longo is the bandweight champion and Marab, or Marab uh, how do we feel? How close is he to being coach of the year? Uh, anyway, thanks, man. Love all your content. Toodaloo. How close is he being the coach of the year? Uh Man, I mean, he, Aljo puts a beating on TJ tomorrow. That certainly helps the case. Hmm, that's an interesting question. I haven't really, really thought about that. But he, he's probably in the mix. If Aljo wins, if Aljo beats TJ, he's got a, he's got a case. He's got a case. I don't know. That's going to be a, a highly contested conversation, but it's got. I mean, it's got to be tough to beat Eugene Berryman right now. It's going to be tough to beat that dude. All right, we'll try this one more time. Presser's going on. Wait a minute. I think we have Cavas now. You just got to unmute yourself, and I think we're good. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I uh, just want to say first that uh, we're happy here in Serbia that for once the time is uh, is on our side. We're, we'll be starting at four in the afternoon. <laughs> but, nice. But uh, uh, basically, uh, my question, like you, you, you addressed the uh, the chaos factor for uh, for for Charles in the fight. My question is more like with the ground game. Like we know that Islam's ground game is absolutely top notch. Like his wrist control, his weight distribution, his awareness are like more like among the best, if not the best. Uh, but we also know that, uh, that Charles is really good at baiting for mistakes. Do you think that could happen for, uh, for Islam? Could he bait him into making a mistake and into getting the win on the, uh, on the floor? Thanks, and have a heck of a morning. Um, from like a, like a natural sense, no. From a, again, this all comes back to chaos. 
Where Charles thrives in these spots on the mat, it's creating scrambles. It's high energy. It's not accepting positions. It's using momentum to your advantage. And what Islam does so well is he's not your traditional MMA grappler. He ain't shooting singles and doubles and just trying to get a takedown and, and just trying to accept that. Oh, if I can't get a single, like I'm just going to keep trying. No. He starts low and goes high. He gets to your body. So when he gets you down, he's already, and he's so good at like landing in position in a really tight spot. Now, I think for Islam, while it's advantageous to be inside control and try to advance position and stuff like that, I think that's a, it could be to his detriment because I think that's what Oliveira is looking for. Islam's best hope is just taking this thing to the ground, sitting in his guard, and just and just pounding him, like and just wearing on him. That's best case scenario. Just pound him out, sit in that guard, and try to pound him out and try to wear him down. That's his best thing he could do. But he doesn't want to get into scrambles with Charles. That's where he could find himself in trouble. But if he just does what Islam does, takes him down, gets in his guard, starts landing shots, making him uncomfortable, getting that gas tank to work a little bit harder. That's where Oliver is going to shine. I mean, Bakhchev's going to shine. But if he tries to be tries to advance a little too quickly, that's what Oliver is looking for. I think. Again, this is where the chaos comes in. This is this is Oliver's best weapon in this fight because we haven't really seen Islam in these types of scenarios. But if Charles can't create that chaos, he can't create that storm. It's going to be a long, long night for him. It's going to be a long, long night. He needs to set the tone early, and he probably needs to get Islam out in the first 10 minutes. I think if this fight sees round three, it's not going to go well for Charles Oliveira. All right, Crypto, take us home, because I got to go. I'm probably getting in trouble. Crypto, hello. Good. Yeah, so, Mike, uh, pardon my voice. Uh... I, I woke up today, realized I had the Rona, but that's not even the craziest thing that happened today because I started scrolling and I had Bryce Mitchell explain to me why the earth is flat and uh, why gravity doesn't exist. I mean, it's it's just getting crazy. Uh, so it's been a crazy day so far, but I'm going to keep it quick and simple here, Mike, because I know you need to go. So who is the biggest winner and the biggest loser uh, in the upcoming event? prior to the fights actually happening. So what I mean by that, just to give you two examples, for me, the biggest winner is Sean O'Malley. Because basically, I mean, if he wins, he gets most, or most likely at least gets the title shot. If he loses, I mean, he will still be popular. He'll recover from that. Biggest loser for me is uh, Benil Dariush. <laughs> because, I mean, if he loses, yeah, that that's not good. But even if he wins, he's still in a very strange situation. Like, yeah, it's he's not going to get the title fight, especially not now with this whole Volkanovski uh, situation. So for me, for me, it is sorry, Mike. Uh, for me, the, uh, these two fighters are the winners and the losers, so to say. How about you? Before the fight happens, it's a good question. Um. Man, this is tough. I 
Hmm. Wow. I mean, you, you, I think you, you got me with that one. I think O'Malley, I think you make a good point about O'Malley. I think he's in a, I think he's in a house money spot. The one, I, I think this fight, I, I think Jan's going to win, but I think it's going to be, it's not going to be a fight where he just runs and just trucks O'Malley. I think O'Malley's going to have moments, and I think that's what's going to be helpful to him. What would just be horrible for O'Malley is if he just gets absolutely wrecked. Like, if he gets 30-25 or just gets run over in the first, that's not good for Sean. That's really bad. Hard to come back from that. Took him a long time to come back from the Cheeto loss. <sighs> Biggest loser. I feel like I feel like it's probably Aljamain Sterling. I mean, at least now. With how I think the fights are going to play out. Here's, here's my hope. Here's my hope because I want to say, I want to say Bilal Muhammad is the answer for two reasons. One, if he loses to Sean Brady, that streak's over and his road back to top five titles contention, it is super duper long. I mean, it is, it's a marathon for him at this point. For Bilal to get a title shot, he can't lose. He can't lose to anybody. He's just got to keep winning. And here's the other way, and here's the other piece of the puzzle. Let's just say Bilal wins. Let's say Bilal beats Sean Brady. It is going to be imperative that he says the right things on the microphone because he has fallen flat the last two times. He has fallen flat. He can't do that again. He can't call Leon out because he ain't getting that fight. He can't call Colby out because he ain't getting that fight. He's got to be smart with this. He can't call somebody out and then go and do the interviews after and call out Hamzat. Like, if you want Hamzat, you cut the promo on Hamzat. Cut it on him right now. Hamzat, let's go. Don't call it Usman and Colby. And then call it Hamzat later when you realize that you should have called them out to begin with. So I think this is such an important night for Bilal Muhammad. Because he could be the biggest winner and the biggest loser. He, he's nominated for both. Because if you beat Sean Brady, that's massive. Gigantic, keeps him going where he needs to go. But he could blow it on the mic. And I... I like Bilal a lot, and I want to be able to come on the show and be like, Bilal, good job. Good call out. Way to cut your promo. Well done. I want to say that. I want to be able to say that. But I haven't been able to. So losing is horrible. Winning is great, but it could also be bad. Because if he, fail, if he doesn't do it right on the microphone, he's probably going to have to fight like Shafkat Rachmanov next. So you got to be smart. You got to be smart. Call out Gilbert Burns. That's a fight he could probably get. He already beat Vicente Luque. There's a story there. But just be smart about all of that. The post-aftermath for Bilal is so important. The fight's huge. But afterwards, that's important too. Be realistic. Know your audience. Know what's possible. 
Don't shoot. Don't overshoot. Shoot it just right. Look, call out Mazadal. Call out Mazadal. You probably you have a good chance of winning that fight stylistically. And that's a big name, and you have a better chance of getting that fight than you do Colby right now. So, yeah, Bilal is in the mix for all of these. But I gotta go. Presser's going on. I gotta hop in and help out the squad. You guys are the best. Apologies again for having to shift the start time on pretty short notice, but this is what we get to do sometimes. But we're back tomorrow. I believe we're back at 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. We have BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. AK versus BC. Brian Campbell returns to BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. Lots to talk about, a lot of 280 chatter, and a lot more. So see you guys tomorrow. Stay tuned. I'll let you know what time. Sometime by tomorrow morning, but we'll plan on 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll plan on 10 a.m. Eastern. But until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work.